As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. The C.S. Lewis Podcast with Alistair McGrath. Thank you for joining us on the show that brings you the thought and theology of C.S. Lewis with me, Ruth Jackson. Discover more about Lewis by visiting premierunbelievable.com, where you can also find lots of great articles and podcasts. That's premierunbelievable.com. But now for today's show. In this episode, we're going to be hearing something a little bit different from normal, In November 2022, Ulster University hosted the first International Academic C.S. Lewis Symposium to be held in Northern Ireland. The event, called Now We Have Faces, was hosted by the C.S. Lewis Group at Ulster University in coordination with English at Ulster, and they have very kindly let us broadcast the talks on this podcast. The presentation you are about to hear is by Teodora Driscu, a PhD candidate in English Literature. The title of Theodora's talk was The Embodiment of Heaven in Lewis's Works. My presentation today is entitled The Embodiment of Heaven in Lewis's Works. It's part of my research. Um, it's actually a broader chapter, um, and I'm focusing on many of Lewis's uh, works. But today I'm only presenting um, The Embodiment of Heaven in Perlandra. So not to be deceived by the title. Um, I have an opening line from T.S. Eliot. I heard there are many T.S. Eliot fans here. uh, And I think it's um, very um, interesting for our discussion. In my end is my beginning. Uh, Because I'm talking about heaven and heaven means that you have to go through uh, death to reach it. uh, Then I think um, we should all... Think of heaven as a beginning, not as an end. But I really like this paradox about beginning and ending. Um, The aim of my presentation is to show how um, C.S. Lewis embodied this concept of heaven in in literature and more exactly in in, uh, Paralandra. Uh, first, I'm going to talk about heaven from Lewis's perspective, then about uh, the relationship between heaven and art. Uh, and uh, then I'm going to offer three images of heaven uh, from Perlandra and uh, draw my conclusions. Okay. All right. Um, some reflections on what heaven is, uh, according to C.S. Lewis. We have heard today um, many talks, very interesting talks about, uh, which also included joy, the concept of joy. And uh, we remember from Surprised by Joy that that was... Um, a thing which followed Lewis throughout his life, even I mean, before he converted to Christianity, it was 
uh, something very, very present and uh, important in his life. Uh, and he defines joy as an unsatisfied desire, which is itself more desirable than any other satisfaction. Um, continuing, I call it joy, which is here a technical term and must be sharply distinguished both from happiness and from pleasure. Uh, joy, in my sense, has indeed one characteristic and one only in common with them, the fact that anyone who has experienced it will want it again. So Lewis describes a superior type of desire, which is quite a paradox, right? Because it's at, at the same time, it's a desire and uh, um, a satisfaction, right? Because normally when, when we want something, um, there's a lot of pain involved in what we want. But Lewis says that this longing um, was actually quite sweet. Um, and uh, in another place, in Surprised by Joy, he calls this longing the pang, the inconsolable longing. So there's also the, the idea of pain here, but at the same time of pleasure, but it's not pleasure. So it's something kind of out of this world, right? Because we talked a lot about um, things which are out of our reach, out of this world. So even in Surprised by Joy, he makes some comments about um, this desire in himself, which he doesn't recognize as being earthly, right? In another place, in uh, his very famous essay, The Weight of, Our, the Weight of Glory, he says that uh, our lifelong nostalgia, our longing to be reunited with something in the universe from which we now feel cut off, to be on the inside of some door which we have always seen from the outside. And I think uh, his um, um, symbol of the wardrobe um, explains this really, really well. And um, I found also in his essay that this joy could be a pointer to heaven. And I think we all kind of um, realize the fact that uh, his longing for joy was more than he thought of in the beginning. Because, I mean, we all know the story uh, of his, his quest for joy for different, in different ideologies. Uh, and then in different experiences and finally finding joy um, as an element in, um, of Christianity, of spirituality. And finally, uh, I really like this quote, um, representing joy as joy actually heaven, this pointer to heaven, and heaven itself as uh, the real country, the home of uh, our, I mean, our home. Um, returning at last from exile in desert lands into our own country. Now, a few reflections about the relationship between heaven and art and how this longing for heaven um, could be represented in art. And I begin with um, the quote of Nikifor Krajnik from um, his uh, book, The Nostalgia for Paradise. Nikifor Krajnik is a Romanian uh, apologist and theo theologian. Um, he has a very splendid book called The Nostalgia for Paradise, in which he claims uh, that the entire human creation is born out of the nostalgia for paradise. Even though it seems quite controversial uh, and quite arguable, the entire human creation, I think it fits um, Lewis's creation, at least very, very well. Uh, he means that more from an unconscious level as well. I mean, the creator of genius creates without knowing, uh, or maybe 
knowing, but uh, mostly being unconscious of the fact that he wants to represent uh, another world, a heavenly word, world, because he feels um, connected to that world. And um, about that, about our inner search for paradise, um, he sees, Nikifor Krenik sees uh, the genius um, as a man with a mission. He says, the call of the genius is not that of redeeming souls, but of placing them by seducing them with imagined symbols in front of eternity. Um, I really like this, his perspective on art and uh, on the mission of, um, of the literary man or of the artist in general. Because um, it goes really well with some other um, perceptions. Lewis's too. Uh, I have a quote from The Great Divorce. Uh, you remember that in The Great Divorce, uh, there was an artist who wanted to paint heaven and he meets with a solid spirit. And the solid spirit says, uh, you cannot paint heaven because uh, this is heaven itself, right? Uh, and he's very... Um, convinced that this is what he has to do. And uh, the soul spirit says, when you painted on earth, at least in your earlier days, it was because you caught glimpses of heaven in the earthly landscape. The success of your painting was that it enabled others to see the glimpses too. But here you are having the thing itself. It is from here that the messages came. There is no good telling us about this country, for we see it already. In fact, we see it better than you do. Uh, I think it makes makes my point really well that uh, the artist, and I also want to, want to link it with uh, Malcolm's uh, point, which I think is wonderful, um, quoting Shakespeare, that the artist somehow has access to a world that we, we don't um, have access to, to a better world, to um, kind of heaven. So as Lewis says, he sees glimpses of heaven, and he also has the means to express this, um, by his art. And it also makes a beautiful connection with uh, Plato's allegory uh, of the cave. And uh, with another um, quote from Lewis in which he says that in life and art, we're trying to catch in our net of successive moments, uh, something that is not successive. Uh, and in another place, he says that um, art tries to embody the sheer state of being and I find this quite amazing that art tries to capture a state um, and not a successive moment. So art kind of has this quality of making us sit and reflect and think about uh, life in general and think about our mission and um, our philosophy. And uh, just, uh, I just remember a um, quote from the Screwtape Letters in which um, Screwtape tells uh, Wormwood that he has to keep his patient away from um, having this time of really focusing on his life and really thinking of the big questions of life. He has to um, give him a lot of thoughts and put him in a lot of successive events in order not for him not to have time to uh, get preoccupied by higher subjects. Um, and um, to finish off with this uh, theme, on, in Lewis's uh, essay on free ways of writing for children, he has this amazing uh, um, sentence. Uh, he explains that there are two kinds of longing. The one is an ascesis, a, cultural, uh, a spiritual exercise, and the other is a disease. Uh, the ascesis is um, 
the longing for better worlds, right, for superior types of existence. And the disease, uh, he explains that the longing that realistic stories, let's call it like that, uh, provoke in terms of uh, if their subject is about uh, money or about luxurious places or about uh, earthly things, then people are going to long for them and then they're going to be frustrated because they cannot get there. But if... Um, the effect of a story is to create the longing for heaven, then we know that we cannot achieve heaven here. But at the same time, it, it opens us up for a higher spiritual existence and experience. Now let's see how this longing and um, how this image of heaven is actually embodied in Paralandra. And I'm going to offer three images of heaven what Lewis's, what Lewis um, imagined as being heaven, how heaven could be uh, depicted. And I'm um, sure many of you are acquainted with uh, Perlandra, the second book of uh, the Ranson trilogy, um, in which Lewis describes um, his uh, voyage to Perlandra, Venus, uh, where he finds um, another Eve, um, right, an an Eve which did not fall, so a pre-Adamic world. And uh, by doing this, he reenacts the myth of the fallen man. He actually imagines a very interesting moment, which I don't think many people have thought about that, um, at least not many authors. Um, this is why he's so special. Uh, but anyway, he reenacts the myth of the fallen man, and he imagines uh, that moment before the fall, and he actually constructs a feminine heroic, which is quite, quite impressive. So in Perlandra, um, the first image that I'm going to talk briefly about is um, heaven as the perfect harmony. It's a perfect harmony between creator and created, between nature and people. It's an uninterrupted communication between the creator uh, and the created. Nothing is hidden. Everything is right there in the open for everybody to enjoy. And I have a very um, interesting quote from, from here. Um, but other world was older than ours, she said. How do you know that? Asked Ransom in amazement. Maladil is telling me, just like that. Maladil was a symbol for, for God. And I was really struck by this, by how Lewis imagined uh, this communication between God and, and its people, um, this communication takes place uh, in our thoughts, in our mind, and it's uninterrupted. Everything takes place um, within us, so it's inner, but at the same time, it's something um, quite, I mean, it's, it's a quite protective feeling that we are um, protected and uh, knowledge is offered to us. The second image which I'm going to talk uh, about is heaven is innocence. And you remember that Ransom was very, very um, struck by what he uh, found in Perlandra, especially by the lady. Uh, and he says, uh, he makes a, a characterization of, of her, uh, beautiful, naked, shameless, shameless, young. She was obviously a goddess. But then the face, the face so calm that it escaped insipidity by the very concentration of its mildness, the face that was like the sudden coldness and stillness of a church, 
when we enter it from a hot street. That made her a Madonna. Um, I was uh, quite impressed by Lewis's choice of words. Um, he brings the vocabulary, right, the, the vocabulary of, of the church. Um, so, because he wants to express something from out of this world. And in general, we find this type of vocabulary in religion because religion tries to tell us that there is another world which we can access actually only by imagination. So we need imagination in order to access, access some religious truths. Um, there is also uh, this image of innocence uh, is not absolute innocence because absolute innocence would mean that we have no way of breaking it. But Lewis, is, uh, but Lewis tries to say that even though uh, the lady is innocent, she still has the possibility to choose. Uh, and this is how he uses the metaphor of growing old. Oh, said the lady, you make me grow older more quickly than I can bear. It was suddenly borne in upon him that her purity and peace were not, as they had seemed, things settled and inevitable, like the purity and peace of an animal, that they were alive and therefore breakable. And also about the vocabulary that he uses when he um, depicts her. He knew now that what the old painters were trying to represent when they invented the halo. Gaiety engraved it together, a splendor as, a, as of martyrdom, yet with no pain in. So he looked at the lady, um, she, she, he considered the lady a, an angel, actually. Um, he, maybe it was a moment when he tried to put all his religious knowledge together of the Genesis and how normal, I mean, how authors try to depict that and put them all together into, into Paralandra. The third image, which I think is the most important, actually, and we have talked uh, about it before, also in, in the wonderful talks of today, is heaven as love. Because love is such a broad term, and we cannot really um, express it in few words. I just chose to refer um, to refer of love just as obedience, because Lewis... Uh, makes a big deal out of obedience and one of his best themes uh, is ob obedience and how love is expressed through obedience and how we can revert maybe the uh, the original sin by obedience because the original sin of disobedience may be reverted by, <laughs> uh, by obedience. Uh, and he has two quotes that I'm going to um, bring to your attention. The first one uh, is from a conversation between um, um, between uh, the character uh, which tried to uh, to convince her that um, she needs to disobey and the lady. I think I do not see quite clearly, he said. Are you certain that he really wishes to be always obeyed? How can we not obey what we love? And what is important here is that she has this innocence again, but at the same time, everything is clear in her judgment. When we love, we should obey. Um, and another very important one. I begin to wonder, said the lady after a pause, whether you are so much older than I. 
Surely what you're saying is like fruit with no taste. How can I step out of his will, save into something that cannot be wished? Shall I start trying not to love him, or the king, or the beasts? It would, it would be like trying to walk on water, or swim through islands. Shall I try not to sleep, or drink, or to laugh? I thought your words had a meaning, but now it seems they have none. To walk out of his will is to walk into nowhere. What is important to observe here is that she thinks that dis disobeying God is absurd, which is quite interesting for a 20th century writer to um, emphasize in his work. This image of heaven as love appears very, very much in Lewis's works, but in Paralandra, uh, the most impressive fact is that it is within heaven. So Lewis gives us a glimpse of heaven in very uh, visual terms, making out of story out of it in order to better um, convey his message to his readers. In my conclusion, I'm going to turn to um, the words of a literary critic um, found in um, the Cambridge Companion to C.S. Lewis. He is actually referring to Narnia, to the Chronicles of Narnia, but I thought they work so well for Perlandra that I put them here. Um, he says that uh, Perlandra represents an ascesis, a spiritual exercise. They are a kind of training in how to long and what and whom to long for. And just a brief observation about th this word ascesis, because um, it is used very much in the Orthodox Church, the one that I'm, that I'm part of, um, very much during the land, the Christmas land or the Easter land. And... Um, People should uh, make an ascesis by fasting and also monks or people who want to do more than that uh, should get a little bit less sleep, less food. Um, so they should sacrifice something for God. So this word, um, in our church at least, uh, represents sacrifice but also death because when you sacrifice something, uh, you die a little bit in order to be born again, in order to um, to be alive in another um, form, right? This is what I found very amazing about Lewis. The fact that he was able to represent a religious term, heaven, in a uh, few words, well, also few, it depends on who you ask, but <laughs> um, in images, because he liked uh, working with images, as Malcolm said in his essays, uh, he describes that Narnia started from images. I, we don't know if Perlandra started from images, but still, the man in him, as opposed to the author, who is more creative and just wants, just feels this... Um, impulse of creation, the man wanted to express something inexpressible, which I think is noble and all artists, it's an encouragement for artists in general and for um, writers to focus more on religious concepts um, in order to embody them in a very simple form for readers of all ages. Um, thank you very much. This is my bibliography and um, a nice image of Lewis. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to the C.S. Lewis podcast with me, Ruth Jackson. We were hearing there from Teodora Driscu. She gave that presentation at a C.S. Lewis symposium called Now We Have Faces. Discover more about Lewis by visiting premierunbelievable.com where you can also find lots of great articles and podcasts. That's premierunbelievable.com. Thank you for listening and see you next time. <laughs>